Today's podcast is powered by 5G. Nah, not really. Well, maybe. I'm not sure, but the brand definitely is. So let's get into it on this Authentic Avenue. AT&T, y'all know what that is, a telco titan, bringing new definitions to the word network and connection. My guest today is Alicia Deach. She's their senior vice president over business marketing, and maybe we'll call AT&T today her authenticity tips and tricks. You'll learn more about the world of B2B2C, or rather B2B2P, as she called it, as well as the various ways in which they tell the stories of hope and positivity that their network brings on the business side. My guess is that many of you know AT&T from like the phone network. And so this may be a little different for you today because Alicia runs the marketing for their business vertical. So we talk more about things like how small businesses are impacted as well as how they're doing things for first responders. Now, despite that, I had to ask one consumer inspired question, which really was, how come this industry pokes fun at each other all the time? It seems to be in some ways the main way in which they market. Obviously, Alicia has more thoughts than just that for me and closes out with some advice on how to build your own authentic path, which you've come to love on this show. I was really glad to have this conversation because, frankly, my understanding of this industry was generally that consumer-facing side, you know, the five bars on your phone. But it turns out it's a whole lot more than that. But don't take it from me. Take it from their leader. So for now, sit back, relax, put that phone down, and listen in as I get real with AT&T and Alicia Deach. Hey, Alicia, how are you? Thanks so much for joining me. I'm good. It's great to be here, Adam. It's good to talk to you because there are a number of intricacies within this industry that I just am not very aware of, but which you will be super aware of. And so I'm hoping to get a crash course over the history of this, or perhaps the recent history of this broad telco world, but that's not all. I also want to hear about authenticity. Let's start with your personal journey. Now, I have been um, honored with the presence of brand presidents, chief marketing officers, CEOs, uh, over my roughly 200 of these features who have been longstanding names and presences at their brands. And you've been with AT&T for nearly 30 years. So I have to start by saying, um, congrats on that. I'm glad they've kept you around, but what has kept you energized about them? Because my God, that's a long time, especially these days when the tenure of average marketers ends up shrinking over time. Though I know you mustn't be average. <laughs> well, I I love starting that way. I I would tend to agree. I'm definitely not average. And um, thanks for not framing that in man. You're old. <laughs> Yo, that would have been a wild way to begin it, wouldn't it? Yeah. No, let's veer from that. <laughs> it has been uh, a really long time in today's standards that I've been with the company, and I know that uh, makes me a little bit of a unicorn, actually. So I'll tell you. The, the honest truth here is part of this is I actually didn't grow up, believe it or not, um, wanting, dreaming to work at AT&T. And uh, my dad had, I had an opportunity to intern with the company while I was in college. And the harsh reality of it, Adam, is as I graduated from college, I could not get a marketing job, which is what I desperately wanted. And I thought, well, I'll go to AT&T because they will hire me into sales. And my college professors told me that sales and marketing, you know, those two things go together. So I thought, okay, this is a place to start. And that was really the very beginning. And while, 
you know, I look back and think, man, I didn't grow up wanting to be here. How very glad I am that I did land here. What keeps me here? Well, I guess there's probably three things. The first is we have no shortage of new and evolving problems to solve whether they be problems to solve inside the company, problems to solve with our, with our customers, problems to solve for the world. When you think about what AT&T does from a technology perspective, that's a really unique set of challenges that we get to tackle every day. So that meant I never got bored. I didn't run out of new things to work on. So that, that definitely is one. The second is, I think, like with any other company, it's a relationship, and I mean that sincerely, that has worked for both sides for all these years. You know, if it stopped working for one of us, for me or the company, one of us would have left, right? Either I would have gone someplace else or the company would have invited me to go someplace else. So, so I do think there's this uh, aspect to it that is all about the relationship you build with a company as well. But the third piece, and this probably won't surprise you because you specialize in authenticity, is our mission. What we do as a company is something I'm actually really passionate about. And I think it's hard to work in a single place, no matter how many different jobs you have over that period of time, I think it's hard to stay in one place if you can't be passionate about what it is you do. So there you go, 30 years, three reasons. <laughs> 30 years, three reasons, three minutes. Man, you just took an entire, uh, probably hour that we could have done and condensed it right there. So I appreciate that strong foundation for this conversation though. And also, I admire the foundation with which you began your career at AT&T. Reason being, I started out in sales too. And I think that those skills are incredibly important to start with early. And to be honest with you, I, you know, when I came out of school, most of my classmates were going into iBanking or consulting. And they were like, well, what did you use this education for to go into sales for? And I was like a little hurt. And I was like, well, that, that's not really your business. But I, I think that it will pay off. and now I know how to sell myself better than anything. And I'm sure that you do as well, which has led to this tenure in part. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't think I could have said it better, Adam. The, I, in retrospect, I'm so glad I couldn't get a marketing job because it forced me to pick up those skills that we use every day. It doesn't matter what actual functional job you have. Make no mistake, we're all selling something all day long. It could be a physical product or service that you're selling on behalf of the company, or you're selling an idea, or you're selling a belief. We're all offering points of view and opinions that uh, you know, are, are very much shaped by our ability to convince people of things. And those skills have been so incredibly valuable throughout the course of my career. And as a marketer, I do have to say there's a piece of me that almost can't imagine being a marketer without having sales experience. Look, I, I know there are plenty of people that do it, plenty of wildly talented marketers. But for me, the very best way to understand how to connect with 
your customer, with your audience, with your target, in whatever means you're trying to do that, is to have actually spent time uh, carrying a bag and putting yourself in their shoes and really understanding their problems. So I'm actually thrilled we share that in common. That's uh, that's great, and I love I love to meet other people who have started in sales. You know, that was my uh, thinking as well when I was in that first set of jobs, both as an individual contributor and as a team lead, because I had a marketing team. And sometimes there was that friction of like, I feel like these guys don't even know what the heck it is that we're doing or what we're supposed to be doing. And of course, like me, they came out of campus. So it, it was their first job. And I had wished that, man, maybe I'd just give them like a quarter in that seat, give them a couple months to sit there and, you know, experience the highs and lows of what a sales job is, especially one with a high ARR product and, and just learn that way. But anyway, uh, enough about that. I'm so glad that we share that foundation as well, by the way, because just as it helps us both to sell ourselves better than anything, because as you said, someone is always selling something. Now your turn is to do that for the business broadly, the, I would say the business side of the business to be exact. And you have to do that, especially today, in an authentic way. As you said, I specialize in this word. So let's dive into that word. Now, normally I ask folks, what are the various ways in which they operationalize that authenticity? But you know what? Very recently, I had a conversation, and listeners will keep me honest in emails, but I'm pretty sure it was Mozilla who called me out as their CMO, Lindsay Shepard, Shep. And so Shep said, Adam, that, that, that is a bad way to think about it because operationalizing something takes that art and that human side out of it. So instead, I'll craft it in this way. There are a number of topics in which I'd like to just see how AT&T puts its authentic self forward. And there are a few of them in which I'd like to explore. So with that hefty uh, premise in mind, let me start with a phrase which I've heard one other person on this show so far talk about, which is B2B2C, because I understand that's where you play a little bit. I want to learn about that evolution in your eyes for AT&T, for that industry, and how you put your best forward foot forward through it. Sure. Well, maybe before I get to B2B2C, let me take just a half a step back, because I think anytime you talk about authenticity, it's important, you know, it, it's, it, it's an easy concept to talk about, but it's a very hard thing to crystallize sometimes. And there are a lot of brands that... I find, and I'm not naming any names, but I find aren't clear about their mission and really what it is they do, the role they serve, their, their higher purpose. And without that, it's super hard to be authentic, right? Because it's all about delivering um, in a really real and genuine way that is consistent with that mission and that belief, right? So for us, for AT&T, that purpose is to create connection. It can be with one another, with what people and businesses need to thrive every day, or about the stories and experiences that matter. It is the essence of us as people, right? Connecting with one another. That's what our technology and our products and services really make possible. And you know, it's it's fascinating to have this conversation with people because many times, probably more often than I would like to admit, 
there are people who think about AT&T in a very different way. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a time where we were referred to as the phone company, right? Right. Certainly there's an aspect of that that continues to be very true for AT&T, but we are really so much more than phones, right? And my best way to describe this is when you think about the vast network, the bits and bytes of data and information that traverse these massive fiber optic pipes that create that connection, that network itself is truly and very uniquely a reflection of the human condition. So when you talk about connecting and how does that pertain to the network, think about it in these terms. What rides that network is everything that we as human beings experience, what we feel, what we convey, what we think, what we express. What do you do when something good or bad happens? When you celebrate, when you are in the depths of despair, you connect with people. And that is to me what is so powerful and, and what is our mission and our purpose, right? Is, is to be that, that conveyor of that human connection. And I'll give you just my favorite example of this. Um, and you know, it's it, it, in larger groups, I generally do this as a, as a game, but if you think about what we all do with this technology and you ask, what is one of the busiest or the busiest day on the network all year long? The answer is Mother's Day. So just think about that for a moment and how that just reinforces that idea of connection. So I apologize for sort of going off a bit in terms of that purpose, but I think it's really important to sort of ground first with that idea before we sort of pivot into this idea of how does that actually then affect what we do in terms of connecting either with our consumer base or as you described, B2B2C. So first, for anybody who may not know what that is, uh, that is um, technically speaking, business to business to consumer. Although I tend to prefer B2B to P, which is business to business to people. Interesting. That's new to, that's new to me. That's a first here. Yeah. And look, it's, it's a different way in on the same general idea. But I think what it reinforces more is the idea that in the end, whether you consider yourself someone who is marketing to or selling to a business or someone we think of as a consumer, what's most important to understand is on the other end of that marketing is a person. And it doesn't matter whether that person is in the employ of a company where they are tasked to make large technology decisions or whether the person on the end of that communication is um, a mother uh, in a household making decisions, right? It's still a person. And I think that actually helps when it gets to that point about showing up authentically. So you, you asked about um, B2B to 
key. I'm going to keep using that here. Okay. Here's, here's the great opportunity I think we have when you think about industry as ecosystems, right? It's easy to look at something and think, um, I'll, I'll make up a fictitious um, company business for a moment. And let's say that um, company XYZ is in the market for technology solutions. And I approach that opportunity with them through the lens of, I'm gonna sell them some technology that allows their employees to connect. And it means their employees can do email. It means their employees can have operating wireless devices. Uh, they could have tablets. They could have any form and function of technology that would allow them to operate as a business. We certainly do that. But when, and it's an important part of our business, make no mistake, but there are unique opportunities we have to think very differently about that relationship and our ability to support not just company XYZ, but the customers of company XYZ. And sometimes those customers are other businesses. Sometimes they are people who are customers of company XYZ. And we have really unique opportunities to create amazing and compelling experiences with our business customers to support the experiences they wanna deliver for their customers. So when, when you think about B2B2P, that's really the essence of it, is you don't stop at the business you stop at the extension of that business to their customer. And sometimes, depending upon that ecosystem, even their customers, there are great examples of that. Um, you can think about, for example, um, education as one great opportunity uh, in the B2B2P space. We might sell to universities and equip them with technology, but what is the extended opportunity to then serve students of that university as well. So that's that's the idea when we think about B2B2P. Make sense? Absolutely, it makes sense. It gives me a bunch of other questions too, because, well, this is the first time I've heard of it, but what I'm very familiar with is telling the stories of people after all. That was actually part of what I wanted to talk about here today. It serves as a nice segue as well, which is, well, how do you tell some of those stories? Because, you know, before we get into the past, which is the recent past, which is last year, and I want to know how you're helping there specifically, you must have all of these different stories that you then tell, perhaps folks with whom you might want to do business or folks who should hear about what AT&T does more. How do you do that today? Sure. Um, well, I would tell you we have uh, a whole host of ways, one of which is our shared beginnings through our sales teams. That is one excellent way we tell our stories. And we actually spend a lot of time uh, working on how we enable our sales teams to be the very best, most authentic ambassadors of our brand and our mission as we can. But when it comes to direct to customer storytelling, um, some of my favorites, uh, certainly, um, video is a great way to tell some of those stories. 
Uh, we use customers a lot in our video in particular. There is something very compelling and genuine and authentic in having someone else tell your story. It's one thing. If I say, hey, Adam, I have a great product. I can give, give you terrific value and I'm, uh, 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 you should think of me as a trusted advisor. It's something entirely different when company XYZ says, hey, Adam, AT&T has the best product. It's an amazing value and you can trust them, right? It's entirely different. So um, we look to highlight customer stories as often as we can. Video is one means of doing that. Certainly we have written forms of doing it as well. But when it comes to this idea of authenticity and really inviting uh, customers and potential customers, prospects, to experience our authenticity, uh, I have no better example probably than the work we do uh, through many of our briefing programs. Um, now, this to a consumer marketer is going to sound like a completely foreign and crazy idea, but for our business customers, we invite them to come spend a day with us. And we'll design an agenda around the specific problems we're seeking to help them solve. Sometimes this includes access to our deepest, most technical experts. Um, who will help them design specific solutions. Sometimes it, it includes access to our senior most executive leaders in the company um, to reinforce that relationship and to lend confidence. And almost always it includes a visit either physically or virtually to our global network operations center. And the reason I always found this so compelling was because we actually do invite the customers into our home and into our network. So go back to what I said about it being the essence of the human condition, right? And giving them the opportunity to see how we manage a network of this size, the things we can see about the network, the moments, that impact the network. Interestingly, I know this isn't what you asked, but interestingly- No, I'm loving this actually, because I, I know this world a lot, but I'm, I'm not sure that my audience really does. So please continue. The network and the performance of the network is highly predictive. It has been modeled over many, many years. We're well over a hundred years old. Uh, and we know quite finitely what we should expect that behavior on the network to look like on any given day at any given hour. And the tools we use to manage the network are all designed around being predictive and understanding when something is anomalous on the network. And as a result, you can see those moments, those moments where the world comes together to connect, as an example, in a very unique way and a very visual way. So when we have people visit with us at the Global Network Operations Center, we can actually show them 
that in a way that very few people will ever get to see. And I think to me, that is such a great example of taking something that is unique about you, about your brand, about your operation and opening it up and, and exposing that. And to me, I think that is really the essence of, you know, genuine and real and authentic. Well, this brings up another something that I had in the back of my head, you know, with regard to, you know, that predictive nature or knowing when the network will be either used a lot or when you need to have the most support for that network. You know, over the last year, obviously, there have been uh, countless stories told of small businesses who have been struggling to get by and for whom, you know, this uh, the, the digital world became a lot more important. Um, I also know that it has become incredibly important for first responders. And that has extended, obviously, for far longer than just the last year. But I'd love to know if there are a few standout examples of ways that you have been powering that world, um, because it's just as important when it comes to those words that we've talked about so far today, network and connection. Sure, it, it can be there to spread that hope and positivity, but it is also there in dire times of need. Absolutely. And uh, you've, you've hit on um, two uh, incredibly important uh, constituents and groups of customers that uh, we've invested in significantly. And I, I, I use that word not just in terms of we equip them with technology, of course, to your point. But I think above and beyond that, because we we do believe in connection, again, as our mission and purpose. So if you start with small business, and as you said, the, the pandemic impacted small businesses disproportionately, uh, really once in a lifetime challenges. And I, I read a survey not too long ago that said by the end of last year, 42% of small businesses said they risked failure, literal going out of business, 42%. So you could imagine as we were watching and um, trying to support our customers through that, you know, there were steps we took well beyond, well, yes, we could sell you a wireless device or we could sell you broadband service. I would like to think that our small business customers would say we were there, we connected with them when they needed it, right? So for the first few months of the pandemic, things like waiving late payment fees and halting account terminations, that's a big one, right? So if you are risking going under as a business, the last thing you need is someone turning off your wireless service, particularly if you happen to be a small business that runs your entire business off of wireless devices. And certainly we were very mindful of those small businesses that also potentially operated from homes. So we were equally concerned about home phone and broadband residential services, all, all sort of in support of that small business customer. And there were so many, I'm actually quite proud of industry at large um, during the pandemic, our ability to come together and 
and really serve deeply impacted communities, whether they be geographic communities, or in this case, the small business community. We joined Stand for Small, um, which was a coalition to help support small businesses that were impacted by the pandemic. Uh, it included 40 companies committed to providing millions of US small businesses access to support through all sorts of valuable services, offers, tools, expertise, even, even lending you, you know, your business expertise to these small businesses. So that was another thing we did. Um, we offered some uh, free in-depth going virtual guides for businesses, actually small businesses in this case, but equally applicable for many other businesses. It's, uh, it's fascinating not to, not to veer us um, off target from small business, but what really happened in the pandemic is everyone was forced to reinvent their business model almost overnight. Now, you know, particularly acute for small businesses, but even very large enterprises, you know, uh, when we talk about businesses um, going through digital uh, re reimagination and reinvention, the, the digitization of business, that's literally what happened overnight. As people were working from locations they never thought they would be working from full time, needing all new kinds of connectivity, security became a massive issue. So these kinds of tools, like this going virtual guide, uh, touched on everything from e-commerce to digital marketing to virtualizing the workforce, right? Uh, yesterday, everyone showed up in the same physical four-wall building, and tomorrow they don't. How do I ensure that they have the right communication tools? And how do I ensure that that works in a way that connects back with our corporate resources in a very highly secure manner. All of that was was included in this guide that we developed for free as a way to simply help and support and equip businesses as they as they went through this really, really difficult time. And you and I both know some industries impacted just the devastating impact in certain verticals um, that you know still continues today. When you think about uh, you know everything from retail and and what is retail now, what is the future of retail, to you know leisure and think about the cruise industry. I mean, just so many industries had to really face such difficult times and moments where they were forced to reinvent themselves that we thought it was our obligation really to lean in and try to help them through that period. So that's a little bit about the our small business story. Um, and of course, we continue to be very active with small businesses and uh, serve them from, from many, many different ways, including out of our retail stores, believe it or not. Um, I'll pivot just for a minute. You, you asked about first responders and this is a community that we have actually served for many, many years. Uh, we've always been deeply committed to the public safety community, but we have such a unique opportunity here. 
um, with our FirstNet network for first responders. Now, for anybody who isn't familiar with FirstNet, it's uh, public safety's dedicated nationwide communication platform. It's actually owned by the FirstNet authority and we built it um, for and with them. And it actually grew out of 9-11 and what was observed to be the really, really acute communication challenges among the first responder communities following 9-11 as we, as we did the look back, right? Um, and the inability to communicate not only within any one first responder community, but across them in particular. So uh, as the FirstNet Authority looked at this opportunity, as the government looked at this opportunity, um, they realized the need for always on communications that would be on reserve, think of it that way, for first responders, always available for first responders so that they wouldn't be impacted by congestion that might be on the network on Mother's Day to bring us back to our prior story, right? So that there would always be this availability of communication. So in this case, both AT&T and the FirstNet Authority committed significant resources to build this network and improve communications among first responders and, and really quite, quite a lot of members of the public safety community. It solves for a long-standing challenge. And, you know, I'm quite proud that AT&T has a such a critical role in solving for that challenge because if you go back to the idea of B2B2P, yes, we are equipping those first responders to be able to communicate, but that is not where the story ends. Those first responders, whether they be fire or police, EMS, those are people that are then protecting and helping our communities and all the people in those communities. And it's such a great example, another great example of that idea of B2B2P. And it is all made possible through the network. First, on behalf of all first responders, thank you for your continued work in that. I mean, I've got close friends who are first responders and, you know, in the last year, you know, whether they be in the police force or, or medical, whatever medical field they're in, um, obviously they need to be connected in that way. Uh, and then to speak very briefly to the, the small business side, I appreciate that too, because there are plenty of people who were, you know, from, from my fiance, who's sitting in here in the apartment with me, who's doing work from home right now for her business, um, to people who had to make a, a pivot. Maybe their employer, you know, went out of business last year and they had to go out and start their own thing. You're talking to one of those people right now on a show that is a direct production of one of those circumstances. You know, that is something that I know firsthand. And in the position of somebody who needs to rely on what becomes not a basic need, but certainly a, a strong desire to be connected and make sure your, you know, your wireless doesn't go out or something as simple as that, um, that is often taken for granted. So I appreciate that. Um, 
the industry overall, you said, um, through that response, has done a great job of coming together and standing up for small, as you noted. Um, I'm not even I'm not exactly sure if this fits quite within like your specific vertical. And if it if it if it doesn't, please let me know. But, you know, through that, what I saw an absence of, which I've frankly seen more of nowadays, um, that I didn't see so much in 20, is uh this industry's sort of unique tendency to like call out each other. Like I feel like I saw it in restaurants for a little bit where like Burger King would come on and be like, oh, we're better than the Big Mac or whatever. You know, but with the telecommunications world, it has happened like way, way, way more frequently. And it's like a central talking point of like most of the campaigns I see. And since I have you here, I'd be curious to learn why. (laughs) Just because I feel like if you're trying to tell an authentic story, why like immediately point why like point at a competitor immediately? Like, why not just talk about yourself? And, and like, I get it. Like, it's funny, right? Who doesn't love who doesn't love those those commercials that you have now, right? Lily, who doesn't like that, you know? But I'm curious as to why, <laughs> if you could help me with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for loving Lily. Who doesn't love Lily, to your point? And I'm going to come back to her in, in a minute. So look, you're, you are absolutely right that... Um, over the years, there have been moments for sure, and they they come and they go. I'm, I'm not saying I'm particularly proud of all of them, where we've gotten in the fray and made the conversation be about one another as competitors versus being about what we do for our customers. And, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this, probably for me, the period of time that sort of best exemplified this was we had this period that we called the map wars, where each of the carriers were running commercials that had big maps on them and where we had coverage versus somebody didn't have coverage. And we hired celebrity spokespeople to stand in front of these maps, we all did it. And the unintended consequence of this is you make the entirety of the conversation be about what is happening between these providers and the customer gets entirely lost. So I would like to say, it's it's not universally true. We still occasionally get into a little dust up. I'm not gonna tell you it never happens because we all want to be the provider. We all wanna be serving these customers, but I think more so now, we, and I can certainly speak for AT&T, are far more focused on the customer than on the competitor. As to why it happened, you know, I think, look, everybody wants to be associated with the best and the fastest and the most unique. And, and as soon as you start, again, making it be about you, you end up in that place versus in the place that's really about the customer. But let's talk about Lily for a minute. Lily is the exact opposite of that. We actually knew, and you're right, Lily is a spokesperson slash character that uh, was created out of our consumer business unit and really was all about authenticity. It was about taking the essence of what we wanted to be for our customers as we show up authentically. 
as we show up in a really genuine way and embodying the characteristics that we wanted customers and potential customers to expect from us when they visit with us in a retail store. That's where Lily came from. And, you know, I'm really actually quite proud. It, it wasn't my work, although I will tell you, we've even used Lily in some of our business communications, not all that long ago even. Um, and I'm just so proud that, that we took that opportunity to kind of move away from that infighting, if you will, and to stay truer to ourselves and to what we want to be for our customers and to take the time to sort of make that promise and set that expectation, which is really what, what Lily is, is all about. But uh, yeah, it, historically speaking, the, the map wars, I'm going to tell you, were probably my personal low point. <laughs> really? Well, I, the AI, so I figured, I figured to ask, and yes, I, I know that, that every time I see these commercials, right, it's, it's for the consumer side. I understand that. I was just curious how it might have come over to your world. And so, but it's cool, by the way, that you are able to find a consistent branding message, even through a, a character slash spokesperson who was originally intended for, for another unit. Um, and so as I round out here, then similar to what you've just said, let's turn away from those, uh, those external messages and let's turn to you um, because I need some advice. It's advice that I ask everybody, and it's on behalf of our listeners who are simply trying to either emulate your journey or carve a unique one of their own. Regardless, they cling, and I cling, to these teachings, these lessons, and these pitfalls and mistakes avoided to find our own authentic path forward. I mean, that's the whole reason that this show is called what it's called, is because we all need to find our own authentic avenue. And I'd be curious, as we round out today, to learn from you what advice you can give to me on how to find our own collective personal truth and our own avenues to authenticity because you've done it very, very well and you've explained it very well here and I'm just wondering what we can take away now. Sure. Well, you know, I think my best advice goes all the way back to where I started is to know what your mission is and, you know, start with that mission and grow from there. Here, as an example, we, uh, we've established a set of values that complement that mission. And they serve as sort of our North Star, if you will, for how we expect to be present with one another. And when I say one another, I mean, yes, one another as employees, one another in terms of how we serve customers, one another in terms of how we serve the customers of our customers. And, you know, writing those things down and having them serve as sort of a guide for people is incredibly useful. It feels a little, you know, uh, tactical. And, and, you know, when you think about being authentic, you know, it might not feel like the first thing you want to do is write down, <laughs> write down the values that you associate with that. But, you know, for an organization that's as large as ours, you know, it's actually really important that you have that shared roadmap of what the expectation is, what it means to be in the business of connecting and, you know, set those expectations. 
So that for sure is one seemingly really tactical thing. And, you know, whether you are an organization of two people, five people, 50 people, or thousands and thousands of people, um, I would argue that that is a useful exercise. And then, you know, find the things that surround those values. So for us, um, you know, in the spirit of, of being a connector, there are complementary areas that are so foundational to this idea of connection. Diversity and inclusion is one of them, whether that be the diversity and inclusion of our own operation or how we support and foster that uh, in our communities. So I think, you know, it certainly has opportunity once you've, once you've decided what your mission is and you understand what those values are, those values will lead you to the ways that you can be most authentic, um, whether it be in how you're selling a service, marketing a service, providing day two support to a customer, or showing up in, in communities. So that would be my, my advice. I, you know, I'm sure you've gotten wonderful advice um, in, in this program before, but to me, it all begins and ends with your mission. Well, listeners, uh, that's something which, you know, I, I hope that you have done by now, but if not, take a minute today and really think about, like, how can I condense what it is I do in this world if it's for somebody else or even if it's, if it's for yourself? I, I did this yesterday, listeners, and this is going to come out a couple of weeks after this recording happens, but, I, you know, I do that from time to time as well, is try to refocus on that middle, because how many times do we hear something not exactly like this, but around it? from these folks who have gone to build incredible presences at incredible brands. And I'm so glad to have had your presence here today, Alicia, because it's given me a new look at an industry that I should have looked at more. And it's incredibly powerful knowing that uh, you provide connection in all sorts of different ways. So for your, uh, for your insight, for your input here, thanks so much. It was a pleasure to have you. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. That simple exercise of writing and rewriting and refocusing on your mission is often spoken on this show, but not very often exercised. I did do it just before that recording, and I do it every couple of weeks because as a solo venture and as a small business, I always have to keep refocusing to stay current and relevant. And you may have to as well. That's just part of the journey. And I'm glad that Alicia joined me on my journey today. And thanks to the listener, of course, as well. I hope you appreciated that somewhat different look at an industry which you may interpret in one narrow focus today. Again, that consumer side. I thought the business side was important to focus on too. Regardless of what side you like to look at, all of my podcasts can be found wherever podcasts are. Authentic Avenue, mostly on LinkedIn, Adam Connor, as well as Authentic Avenue there. And you can also email me, adam at authav.com. Would love to chat about this podcast world, how it can serve as a pillar for your broader marketing strategy, and any advice therein I can provide. For now, I'm going to go call up somebody else and get their story and bring it to you. So for now, I'm signing off. This is Adam Connor saying, until the next time I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.